BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate Demon's Bliss now! After Come on! There is rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur bosses? I'll have to put those here to test our faith. A damn lie! I, I saw him on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharp while I was away? We did illusions, man! None of it is true! I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! All right, welcome back to the Deep Share. Tonight, I am very excited to speak to my guest. Uh, we've been waiting to talk and we had to reschedule a few times and everything brought us to this moment. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Leslie Mitchell-Clark. Leslie, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. And Andy, thank you so much for your patience with our elaborate uh, tango of quantum entanglement. Yeah, we had a, a, a tough time getting together. But, you know, as we mentioned earlier to each other, I uh, there is no such thing as a misplaced event. You know, I think things fall, in, fall into place when they should. And uh, I don't know, I'm awake. I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> I woke up this morning open the paper i was not in the obituary so it's like a good day <laughs> that's great to hear i mean it's always a good day when you can I'm see here. yourself in the mirror and <laughs> right 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 <laughs> so i have wanted to talk to you for a number of different reasons and mm. mainly because of the work you do um, but also just your absolutely fascinating past. And so I would love to give my audience just a little peek into the life you've lived so far, because <laughs> it's incredible to me as a music lover and a lover of show business and everything. So please enlighten us, Leslie. How did oh, you my. start? <laughs> How did it all start? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from what you would call probably a show business family and and uh, I was a I was a child actor. I worked in theater in Los Angeles with uh, uh, Melanie Griffith and other would be actors. Um, my late dad, um, who uh, was known 
mostly professionally as Whitey Mitchell and later as Gordon Mitchell, was a multiple um, Emmy Award winning um, uh, comedy writer and producer. And he worked with Norman Lear for many years and produced uh, All in the Family, uh, Good Times. I believe he's created the Jeffersons. He created Mork and Mindy for Robin Williams. Uh, of course, Happy Days was in there and MASH and Mary Tyler Moore. So uh, my dad was, he was big in the 80s, <laughs> 70s wow. and 80s. But uh, um, in my own, in my own life, I worked uh, as an actor, singer, dancer, and a, a lot of milieus. Also, in my my early show business career, I had two great jobs. Uh, one of them is I was a tour guide at Universal Studios uh, in its heyday. You know, around the time that we made Jaws and all that. It was, and uh, and later I was at NBC Page, and I worked uh, on the old you know Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So. I, I'm actually, um, I've written another book, but I'm, I'm working on a book now that has nothing to do with um, anything metaphysical, particularly. Mm -hmm. It's just about uh, my showbiz remembrances, and I'm calling it uh, Woman on the Road. And it's just a bunch of, some of the stories are funny, some are perplexing, and some are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> That's going to be great. Okay. Like, okay. 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 Now after reading this, I understand other, her other books. <laughs> That's right. That'll give insight to everything else. <laughs> so that being said, let's get into some of your other work and some of the books you've written and let's mm -hmm. give the audience an overall feel of what your, what your puzzle piece is in this big, uh, beautiful truth movement that we have going for so, oh, so long. Fantastic. <laughs> well, um, I am at this point, I am a board certified clinical master hypnotherapist and regressionist. And what that means is not only do I do what you would call very mainstream hypnosis, where I help people with what you would consider maybe predictable issues, uh, quitting smoking, weight loss, phobias, insomnia, uh, thumb sucking, nail biting, hair pulling, you, you name it. So there's all of that part of me, which is very therapeutic. And then my, my specialty is uh, really as a regressionist. And since pretty early in my uh, hypnotherapy career, I became certified in, in um, metaphysical hypnosis, including past life regression and interlife regression. So um, I worked in those modalities for, I'd say, four or five years before I ever really um, encountered someone who believed that they had had an experience of high strangeness, perhaps with an extraterrestrial being or beings. And um, uh, at the time I was, I was working in a, <clears throat> I was working in a clinic and maybe about once a month, uh, some dear soul would call in and say, you know, I've, I've been having these experiences. I got missing time, blah, blah, blah. And nobody, none of my colleagues wanted to deal with it, like at all. They said, no, uh-uh, no, no way. And I said, yes. <laughs> so I began uh, working with these wonderful individuals. And, you know, one thing that I can absolutely tell you with 
great confidence is the the experience of extraterrestrial contact or contacts is something that crosses all uh, lines of um, of race and creed and color and and financial levels. All of that happens to all kinds of people. Um, I work with. I have some college professors judges um social workers and on and i also have people that are you know construction workers and 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 working in no less important a job but perhaps um not really uh, a job that had required you know a lot of scholastic training shall we say i'm trying to dance around this i don't want put to put anyone down for what they do but i'm just saying there is a wide spectrum of of types of people who are having um, and have had these experiences. So I, because all one, it's almost like once I opened the door <clears throat> to this type of work, a lot of people began uh, contacting me. And um, I, what I did is I, um, I adapted past life regression techniques that had been taught to me by Dr. Georgina Cannon, my mentor, wonderful, uh, wonderful woman. Anyway, um, I, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I'm openly saying, you know, I adapted her techniques to work with experiencers. Now I've tweaked and fussed around and, and, and hopefully developed ways of working with these wonderful people that allows them to, um, access repressed memories, process uncomfortable memories, perhaps, and integrate all of this into their, um, you know, third density, uh, real time life, if you will. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all, I believe we're living interdimensionally all the time. And uh, yeah. I, I, I really, I really do. And um, many people, uh, Many people, this is kind of interesting, Andy, because um, many people who have had regular contact with extraterrestrials, the contacts in their early life and up through their 30s tend to be quite physical. In other words, they're taken on board, they're having some exams, maybe they're you know, donating some sperm or ova, I mean, who knows, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing goes on. But what seems to happen as the individuals develop and begin and collaborate with the ETs is that the experiences they have tend to be um, etheric uh, past midlife. And by that, I mean, they are more akin to astral projection or uh, even if you will, some type of sophisticated uh, uh, like psionic remote viewing perhaps, but some type of consciousness projection that mm -hmm. I believe they are taught. And, um, and these type of experiences seem to dominate what happens in the progress of a, a typical lifelong experiencer and what they go through throughout the course of their life. Now, would you say the, um, the experiences, the physical spectrum towards the more metaphysical spectrum, it, it always happens kind of on the later side? Or would you say there's also some cases where the young children are oh, having absolutely. the very mental... 
Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, my feeling is, and you know, I, I'm not the world's foremost authority, but my, if I was, if I was asked, what is the commonality here? What are these advanced species? In, why are they engaging with some individuals and not, not others? I really believe it's all about psychic ability. It's all about the ability to not only communicate telepathically, but to do things like have etheric experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> certainly, I think people who are <clears throat> maybe experiment, you know, experimenting with DMT and some of these other um, amazing substances uh, can project themselves into a vibrational state where they can travel in that way and engage with other advanced beings. I mean, I know that that happens. Uh, so um, uh, there are various, there are various ways, various paths, mm. but I do think that uh, many advanced species, well, first of all, I think we're all hybrids. We are hybrids. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, it's like the five fingers of man. We have been seeded either through advanced civilizations that came here or panspermia. I don't care how it happened. Mm -hmm. It happened. We have special DNA. We are, uh, a, we are apart from the indigenous life forms of this planet. In fact, um, I read an interesting fact the factoid the other day, or maybe it was on Jeopardy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something, something got it in my bean right there. Yeah. But um, uh, Homo sapiens sapiens, uh, mm -hmm. human beings, we are susceptible to over 6,000 possible genetic problems. Now, nowhere else in the kingdom of nature. Do we see anything like that? What we do see occasionally are environmental pollutants causing, you know, uh, uh, genetic problems in animals, but they themselves don't have that capability. Our, our DNA has been, um, has been engineered or tampered with or something. So we're, we're, you know, we are susceptible. And I think part of what might be going on is in fact, you know, our deep ancestors um, trying to help us to get over this, this, this bump that we're going through, this, um, uh, this need for our consciousness to rise, and yet the extreme polarity of consciousnesses that are on this planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a real push me, uh, pull you right now. But I do oh, yeah. think that on the side of enlightenment, I think we are slightly over the middle bar. So I, I know that there are shifts that are occurring. And, you know, and it's people like you. And I mean, and disclosure. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, the discussion, the media, the discussion and the media presence of arcane subject matter yeah. is not happening primarily through major networks. This is a grassroots Disclosure is a grassroots kind of a movement. It really is, and uh, as I always yes. say, we're 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 the we're the midwives of disclosure. And that's that's another big area that I definitely wanted to talk to you about because um, I'll say this give, to give you a little background on my interest in the UFO community and all that. I mean, it's not a unique story because I was just a kid from the '80s and '90s obsessed with sci-fi. 
and loved aliens and, and all of it, you know, and now regardless of how you might feel about other areas of what's going on in the world right now, from my perspective, I'm kind of seeing an age or ancient old machine at work in society that's seemingly bringing us towards friggin' Terminator of some kind. And we have over here the UFO community, at least like in uh, the very mainstream aspect, mm-hmm, like we literally mm-hmm. have hashtag UFO Twitter, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that area. It worries me a lot. It disheartens me a lot the past couple of years. And I, I don't say that lightly because I, really I feel deeply part of this community and I see a lot of people buying into kind of I don't know how to say it other than they're buying into some pretty psychopathic, untrustworthy people, you know? Oh, <laughs> or at least man. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, and the factions. Fear, and the know? factions. There's a lot of fear-based uh, uh, propaganda out there. And I'm telling you, fear is the killer. The fear is. is coming from us. Fear is not being projected at us. There's nothing going on now that wasn't going on a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. We, we, are, we are simply awakening in our awareness. And now, you know, I, I don't like to, you know, name names, but there are some ufologists who I feel are really pandering in fear and talking about conspiracies and the Illuminati and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody has enough power to control everything. I think things are fairly out of control right now, mm-hmm. because especially in the United States, we are, and I don't want to offend anyone, but we are, and this is true all over the world. I won't single out the U.S., but we're dealing with people who are um, unstable and angry and armed. Uh, so, you know, there's... <laughs> And we don't need any trouble, you know, effing things up with each other. We're perfectly capable of doing that on our own. And I think this is the whole problem with why full disclosure has not occurred, because we keep being given opportunities and opportunities and opportunities, and we just don't learn. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the greed factor, you know, how did we ever let this massive military industrial complex, you know, form in the 50s that created siphoned off trillions of dollars and created a secret space program Mm -hmm. so you know and then we have our our fake nasa program well see that to me is i mean you can exchange secret space program with illuminati i mean to me it's the hidden hand is all i kind of meant and it feels like and we don't have to name names but we have factions who are saying they're a threat and then we have the factions on the other side saying that's not true. That's all fear. And to me, that looks like divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what worries me the most. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious. I mean, I know that you're involved at high levels with a lot of big names in this industry. I don't want to offend anybody and I don't want oh. to step on any toes. I just want to know what you think about that concept, because it does yeah. seem to be the favorite tool of this military industrial complex. 
Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, pandering and a lot of uh, um, a lot of individuals who are setting themselves up almost as demigods in this mm. in this in this realm. Um, but you know, Andy, the one thing I, I can tell you and tell your your listeners and tell them with all my heart is that I, upwards of like ninety five percent of the experiences that people have had and are having who come to me are positive and enlightening and, and yeah. mind opening. Um, however, I think sometimes uh, what we call abduction experiences are misinterpreted. I believe that we make agreements to work together with certain beings that we're either genetically uh, connected to or emotionally connected to. Um, many of us as we were discussing briefly, I think many people who are experiences are living sort of interdimensional lives where they are living a linear, um, you know, physical life in the in the third density. Mm. And yet when their bodies in the Delta state, they're um, they're traveling and right. and doing and engaging and working and doing all kinds of other things. I mean, this is what this is what I'm hearing. And this is from reasonable people and i suppose some of your you know some of your peeps and this is it's good to be skeptical some peeps mm -hmm. listening are going to say well you know how do you know that these people aren't aren't lying or confabulating or um and and are you me leslie you know leading them in a certain direction well i can only tell you that in 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 my role in the regression i have to be I have to be like vanilla ice cream. I mean, I, I I can't I can't infer. I can ask questions, but I have to be careful how I ask them. So the whole I'm not going to call it an art, but I would well, say it's part the, of your training. You know, yeah. The, the, the discipline of working in regression is you can't pollute or lead or or you know any of course i record everything so it's right there people mm -hmm. can hear what they said and what i said so um that is a that's a very important part of the protocol is that i do not lead them now i i believe that as far as talking about regression in in contemporary times and this is the time of the real time mapping of the brain we now have medical evidence that when individuals are being regressed by a professional person who can do that, that the areas of the brain that are firing are not the creative centers or maybe some other language centers, some other centers of the brain that you would expect to see firing if there was confabulation going on. What mm -hmm. is firing are the deep memory centers of the brain and part of the primitive brain, the amygdala. So we know that memory and deep memory can be accessed through the hypnotic process. Yeah. And we know that. Now, could somebody fool me? Yes. I, I, I mean, I think it would be, uh, I, I think it's happened maybe twice in a long career, but it's, you know, it's, it's possible. But again, um, before anybody ever works with me, you know, I do, I, I have a long conversation with them. I do a long intake and certainly not everybody who contacts me is mentally stable. 
Right, of course. I, yeah, you know? I understand. And I want to clarify that my comments earlier were mainly uh, in the realm of more of the nuts and bolts kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. I was kind of going away from that because honestly, the work that you do, I respect so much because Aww. like I said, I've had experiences like this and I know many, many, many people who have. And I feel like that this is where the bread and butter is. Like this is what we need to focus on. And I think there's distractions out there kind of trying to get us to play with our toys and watch, yeah. the, cool, watch the cool spacecrafts and everything. Yeah, but yeah this seems to be where the real content is and where the real meaning seems to come from. Right. I think so. And this is what people like Grant Cameron are talking about, that the real disclosure is in the experiencers relating um, their stories. And I'm, I'm very blessed in that some years ago, uh, Kathy Martin invited me to become a member of the MUFON uh, experience research project. So many people that I work with as far as regression are referred to me by MUFON as part of their research. So they've already been scrutinized and sanitized and martinized oh, yeah. <laughs> by the time they get to me. So I don't have to worry too much about that. But if, if somebody if somebody contacts me just, you know, from having seen me on a, on this, that or the other, then I, I have to really take my time. Now, I, if if someone presents to me and I and I know that they and I have a strong feeling that they are having some dissociative situation or um, I don't just let these poor people twist in the wind. I have colleagues who are psychiatrists and and, and uh, psychotherapists and psychologists who are also open to the abduction phenomena. And I will refer these people on to someone who can help them uh, more completely. And if medication is required, you know, that's because that's not something that I can do. So well, that's great um, that you have that ability to kind of you have that community around you to help other help people outside of your direct field like that. Oh, honestly, yeah. I've thought about therapy a number of times over the years just for this or that to, you know, deal with with issues of life. And I always tell myself like or not tell myself, I tell my wife too. like it's very hard to find a professional just out of the phone book. Well, that doesn't exist anymore, but online or whatever. Yeah. 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 In my local area that is very comfortable with psychedelics and yeah. all these alternative ideas. It's, it's, it's difficult, but I think it's getting easier. It seems obviously. Oh yes. You know. <laughs> Much easier. And also, you know, now, uh, and I always, I always did, um, treat individuals online uh mm. not not a whole lot but i always did because i would have people all over the world but right. one wonderful thing about now making this making therapy more available on zoom is we can uh we can reach a lot more people uh easily people who live maybe in remote areas where they don't have a great variety of therapists who are open to more esoteric subject matter you know it's possible to work with anybody anywhere as long as they're as long as they're online so that and it does work <laughs> it does yeah. work so that's a I, i'm i'm very grateful for that because uh you know what my objective my my objective is not only to um out of you know curiosity to uh explore uh 
what has happened to these unique individuals who come to me, but it's really about their healing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that is the main objective is and and you know, sometimes people have uh, uh, memory blocks, they have big chunks of time, they can't remember. Uh, sometimes they'll say I can't remember anything before five. I mean, it's it's, and it's my belief also that no memory block can last forever. I, I think especially the ones put in place by the um, secret space program, they only last for 20 years, which is why so many of these guys like Corey Good and Captain Randy Kramer and um, uh, Jason Rice, many of these guys are recovering their memories around now because they were only suppressed for 20 years. That was as far as they went with the um, uh, secret space program memory block for the guys that did the 20, what we call the 20 and back. back. Right. Yeah. So, and, and again, you know, it sounds, I know, I know, Andy, the whole (laughs) whole idea of the secret space, it's, it it sounds like a bad Republic (laughs) picture. I know that, but if I hadn't have heard about this in detail from so many people who have the, and they come out of trance and they say, what, what the hell was that? Right, you know, these right. are these are not people who uh, come in with a, a preconceived ideas. In fact, mostly they can't remember much. Right. So, these are people most of the time that don't want to be involved with these kinds of topics, even sometimes. Oh, you know, gosh, I yes. mean, I was oh, yeah. a baseball playing metal listening like I just wasn't interested in anything. Mm-hmm. And then I did mushrooms and suddenly I was a theology obsessed Mm-hmm. You know, a, a psychology, theology, quantum. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. I needed to figure out what the hell was going on. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, I, abs- absolutely. Well, you had a, you had an awakening, a door mm-hmm. opened. You had a big um, DMT release that mm-hmm. sped up your whole vibrational being, and so you were able to peep into those higher realms rather quickly now you know that can be done also through meditation i've been Mm -hmm. a meditator for 40 years and although i don't explore hallucinogenics anymore i i i can really travel you know (laughs) just from just from a discipline but you know it's awesome of course it's not fast like you know it's not going to be the intense fast kind of thing that that you get when you're using a little help so and that's you know know. i used to always say when i was younger yeah why climb the mountain when you can take the jetpack but man has my perspective gone 180 now now i'm like oh man but throughout all the trails on the way to the summit you learn so much i know well i do think that um you know i i do think that's many of the evolved beings that uh, individuals encounter are functioning at such a high vibrational level that they can pass easily into what we call the afterlife. Mm. You know, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not the afterlife. It's just another vibrational state. We're still, we're still creating matter. We're, it's just light matter. And, you know, it's, but, but I, I have, um, in working in in interlife regressions, which is really pretty fascinating, I'm not sure yeah. if you I know have what no, that I is. But to, yeah, I was going to ask you about it. It's a it's a it's a it's a discipline that was created by the late Michael Newton, and um, it is an exploration 
of what happens, where we are, where we go, what we do in that space that you might call heaven, that place where we are before we come into physical life, in between physical lifetimes, if you will, in between mm -hmm. incarnations, we're home. And uh, Michael Newton discovered through doing these specific types of regressions that there are many commonalities that we all experience uh, when we when we leave our physical body. And one of them that everybody goes through is uh, uh, coming in front of their their council, if you will. Now, this is not disciplinary. It's a council of love and help. And you talk about, you know, what you'd like to accomplish in your coming life. Now, what I started hearing about, I would ask people to describe like the members of their council, what they looked like. And they'd say, oh, there's a woman that looks, you know, she looks like an elven queen. She's got a thing on and there's a guy with an elongated skull. And I'm going, really? You know, and this is this is in our so-called, you know, humanoid heaven. Well, I think the reality is that we are in a spirit group, if you will, with many, many, many different beings who, you know, are in a ballpark sense, kind of like us, you know, two arms, two like bipedal. And, um, and in fact, you know, people do talk about incarnations on other planets as as other beings that are they'll say well i'm very you know i'm very tall and slender and i have a you know it, so uh, that's something that i have heard many many times in in both past life regressions and interlife regressions that our our illusion of separateness is just that it's an illusion it's the same on planet earth we have an illusion of separateness from our fellow man which is what has caused all the problem. Oh, they're different. They're not like us. So, you know, they're different over there too. They look different over there. And it's, it's all, that's all illusion. Yeah. It's that word. Three. they. Yeah. There is no, they, you know, that's what yeah. I try to say, <laughs> even though I'm, I get really negative and caught up in it and I'm fighting they too. And, and, you know, I got to come back around and, and recenter, you know? And remember, it's it's all us. And, you know, like Ramdas used to say, try to look at everyone as God and drag, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved that line. I thought it was so oh, beautiful. That's brilliant. That and is, like, that you is. used to called it home. And he actually, he always to say, we're always walking each other home. And it's, yeah. it, it's such, yeah. like, I, I really like that. I, I've never yeah. heard of inter- Interlife. Interlife. And That's well, you know, this is a this is the cruel school. We 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 are all here, <laughs> you know, we are all here for a couple of we're we're here to help humanity move to a higher vibrational level. That's why we have all incarnated here at this time. But it is a slog, man, for aware people. Sometimes it feels like you're just walking through a big, you know, swamp. You know, it's, it's, it can be a slog because sometimes we find the vibrations to be very dense and low, you know, especially if I go to Los Angeles. <laughs> and dude, oh, my God, you just blew my mind. Because it's it is it's like that on every level. Too. <laughs> the and, IQ and, points are flying <laughs> off as, as as we're descending 
do this smog belt. I yeah, mean, you know, seriously. Well, seriously, it's, it works yeah. on every level of metaphor yeah. because like, yeah. yeah, you're literally trudging through deep snow versus running across the the ridge line of a mountain you know it's yeah slogging and there are some places that are so rarefied on planet earth that i think you know i think we have uh natural vortices Mm. all over the earth where which make interdimensional travel possible. I think that's a reality. Uh, yeah, ley lines. And I think I think it has to do with, you know, even Einstein's, you know, gravity is part of space time. And we don't even fully understand gravity, but we do know that there are tremendous variations in the gravitational force around the world. I mean, mm. there are part, there are, there are places in the world where the gravitational force is like a, you know, a skinny little, you know, Melba toast, right? I mean, it's hardly, so it makes sense that at those points, the fabric of space-time may be easily traversable. And I think, you know, the ancients knew this, and if there are places like uh, Pumapuka and, um, um, oh God, what's it, uh, Baalbek, and, uh, you know, many of these mm. super ancient super ancient ruins that are more than 60,000 years old. And they all have, you know, spaces where the locals say, oh, that's where the gods came out or that's where the, you know, that's where the doorway was. So right. I, I think that that's technology that that is in use by not only our own, you know, our own, uh, you know, military operatives, but uh, by benevolent ETs too. I, I Captain Randy Kramer told me, and I and I like to believe this, and I do hope it's true, but <laughs> he he told me that considering the level of the bases that we have throughout our solar system, we pretty much control who comes into our solar system. And whoa, I didn't think yeah. about this the secret space program at that level. I really yeah. <laughs> no, that's what he said. And and you know it's it's multinational. He says there isn't a, there isn't a uh, a country on the globe that isn't involved in so some you, level. Do you think that the rollout during the Trump administration of Space Force was kind of like the soft release of something that had just been going on for a long time, and that mm. maybe like a decade from now or less, th- are they normalizing the secret space program? Maybe. No, I don't think not. so. I, uh, you know, I, and, and, they like and to normalize far, all their evil shit. Oh, here I go. They saying do. they again. <laughs> they do. But, you know, as, as, as far as Trump, I, there was no I don't think there was a soft rollout. I think okay. there was a soft frontal lobe going on there. But, you know, yeah. I I think he just got scared because I think he may have learned some information. And so he wanted his little ray gun. He wanted his little <laughs> space space force. You know, I mean, it's, ludicrous really mm. right you know ludicrous something we have had since the 1950s right okay because the, the only reason why i ask is because of that how they they almost like anticipation of us discovering stuff they'll have like a dummy a straw man in place mm-hmm. of some mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's the only reason why i went there but um back to the the regression the inner life stuff because yes. this is so, okay, I'm going to try to word this the best I can. And this is all coming out of my head. <laughs> Good. So, <laughs> from my shaky understanding from multiple, multiple disciplines, multiple cultures, ancient mm-hmm. writings and this and that, 
and and eastern mysticism as well and um maybe a little quantum physics action Mm -hmm. it seems to from my perspective i just want to see what your thoughts are on on this concept (laughs) tell me it seems like it's described in a way that seems like the physical existence time and space is this and that outside of this it's really no experience to be had it's almost like so when i had my spiritual moment my breakthrough in Mm -hmm. psychedelics it was stillness and silence and and i i kind of felt like in that moment that that makes sense because it's the only thing that's pure and perfect it was just like well you were ex- you know you were experiencing that sa- sensation of timelessness because there is no time right, there right, is right. there is no linear time linear time is an agreement that we have made in the third density so we can get mm-hmm. our shit done you know so we <laughs> okay. can so we can meet so up on time and that's what i'm you saying know. though like how can we get our shit done in a place that doesn't have these qualities you know that's why like mm, I, well, i've always understood yeah. like the demiurge in gnosticism is like i used to describe it as like the actionable arm of god mm-hmm. whereas the tr- like the true form of the source or god or whatever there is no experience there almost maybe i'm just talking way out to lunch here though <laughs> no but i think that we we are the experience part of god we yes, are I do too. I do too. we are the cre- we are the creative manifestation of the creative force of, of the universe mm-hmm. and that creativity has manifested many beings okay, uh, okay. all over the place you know but we're all part of one whole one creative burst mm-hmm. um if you will so um and um I think that sometimes it, it, it's almost overwhelming and almost you get a feeling of like being dangled over the Grand Canyon to just think about the vastness of, of creation and the fact <laughs> that we are, you yeah. know, just a, but, but everyone is a child of God and a, mm. and a precious spirit. And we're all, anything that lives is coming from that creative source. Now there, you know, I, and sometime this is kind of would be a whole nother show but the nature you know the nature of of good and evil Mm. if there is a benevolent creative god force you know why was there hitler why are there sociopaths why are we so imperfect where do these where do these dark um violent behaviors come from and are there demonic forces are there are there negative entities that attach themselves and and you know this is an area i don't always you know i'm not i'm i'm pretty upbeat person and i don't even like to think about those things but the fact remains that there are i think that there are elementals i think that there are different layers of beings on the Mm. earth in other words i think it's it's very probable that there's a kind of an elemental, you know, fairy kingdom. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 and uh, it's just they're in light matter, you know. They're but they're but they are also drawn to the earth. And you know, it may even be possible that that you know Bigfoot or the Yeti is is some part of that, uh, n- not totally corporate 
corporeal um, elven type realm. You know, mm. I think, uh, you know, who knows? They seem to disappear like that. And there have been people who have seen none of my clients that I can recall, but there have been witnesses who have seen uh, uh, Bigfoot creatures, you know, ar arrive down in a beam from a from a from a, a craft and they're now, often seen with orbs that's a very very common they uh, indicator of bigfoot yes i do they must be they must be something they're not an animal they're something else and they it's have a bunch their of shamans own, <laughs> running around yeah a bunch of shamans <laughs> out there with the bad haircuts yeah they just they never they never they never adapted the society. They were like, nah, no, you guys electrolysis, <laughs> no electrolysis or waxing going on out there. No, that's no. for sure. <laughs> so but there was, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, right no, ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, you know, speaking of getting, I was just thinking of, there's a wonderful gentleman, uh, Mike. Oh, golly. Forgive my brain. <laughs> people have to forgive uh, mine all the time <laughs> oh my god but he's a leading you know he he, he has an organization called uh sasquatch ontario so you mm -hmm. can always find him it. it's mike and um he has a very close relationship with with a family of big feet um uh, that he has known for many years and he has they can talk. He has vocalizations. If you go onto his website, there's a lot of stuff on there and it's very, very compelling. It really is. And uh, they communicate with him because they trust him. That and intense. Um, yeah, I'm looking him up a, right now. Yeah, he's on YouTube and everything. He's on YouTube and everything. Um, Sasquatch Ontario. Um, I'm trying to find his name just so we can give him a little shout out. Mike. Mike Patterson? No. That's Mike Patterson. Really Mike? Okay. Mike, Mike Patterson. Mike is, Patterson. Okay. Isn't that a famous name in the Bigfoot community? Patterson? Is that uh, is well, he in you know, it's, it's, he's Patterson? not, but it's wow. so coincidental <laughs> that, you know, the Patterson blank, you know, footage, that, that, that iconic often. footage. That isn't that weird? Um, <laughs> That's the first thing I asked him. It no relation. It's just one of those uh, one of those quantum entanglement things. Yeah. But but uh, Mike is Mike is a great guy, and I and I've got to tell you, I completely believe him. I completely believe him. He's not, and he's been through some crapola, man. He's had a lot of trespassers on his property, and he's been through legal stuff with just people trying to harass him. And mm. for what? He's not getting, believe me, he's not getting rich. He's not, there's no there's no huge Mike Patterson empire from the, inform, <laughs> from the information that he is lovingly sharing because these, these beings, these Sasquatch beings have encouraged him to share this information wow they want they want us apparently as homo sapiens sapiens to to acknowledge them and somehow live on the earth together with them because they say they've always been here that they've been here they've been here longer than we have you know that so, was something i wanted to ask you taking a turn back towards just talking about aliens i've heard you say before you feel like they they've always been here or they've been here longer than us or mm -hmm. no i've heard you say they were all there they were already here they're they've already already been here mm -hmm. yeah so 
do you think it's because they've literally always been here because we're living in that multi-dimensional kind of situation where there was no invasion at any point like coming to the planet maybe we've always just been in this space together somehow i think there's i think that there is that i Mm. do but i also think that many of us are direct descendants of the anunnaki um and they were the um they came from a planet in our solar system that has a huge elliptical uh, orbit. And uh, Zachariah Sitchin, who is now passed, was the foremost translator of the Sumerian cylinder scrolls, which describe in detail everything that went on with these gods. Well, they were not gods. They were extremely long-lived. They were very tall. And they, uh, they needed gold to repair their atmosphere, which is ironic because it is that is a thing that will repair atmospheres. It, it's it's true. So they found uh, us a planet beyond what they called the hammered bracelet, which which would be the Milky Way. Mm. Uh, they found us in their scannings and knew that there was a lot of gold here. So the first place that got sort of developed was like South Africa. And there you've got Michael Tellinger down there who has discovered those ancient gold mines, the ground zero of the Anunnaki the he's done. thing. Oh my God. He's, oh. he's uncovered so much over the years. That guy is amazing. That yeah. guy that's amazing. And, and uh, so, you know, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm really sort of a follower of the, um, uh, of the ancient Anunnaki. Now, it's possible that these same beings showed up in other civilizations around the same time, uh, you oh, know, yeah. in, in, in so. you know, in Mexico, in, in uh, perhaps uh, the Norse being, it seems always sounds like they're talking, it's 12, they're always talking about the same beings. And I don't think they're just anthropomorphic beings. I think people are actually much more truthful than we ever give, literal than we ever give them credit for. It's you know, very we, hard to discredit what the Hopi or the Dogon oh, people have to say. Yeah, it's, no kidding. How right? do you mess with that? <laughs> like they you knew can't. star system, they knew star locations, and even the existence of a, of stars yes. that we didn't see until the seventies. So yes, I yes. don't know. Maybe no light pollution. Sure, I don't know how far that theory can oh, go. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's a swamp gas. One of those swamp gas. Well, things. no, I know. I mean, like you know? maybe a long time ago, we had better views of the stars. Oh. But I, I don't I don't know if that would account for no, what they no, were able no, to no, do. No, 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 no. They were talking. You're talking about Sirius too. That, yes. that, yeah, that cannot be seen with the naked eye or any kind of technology right. that even those, without that those light pollution. Had. Yeah. 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 So there are there are these there are interventions, and we have you know we have diverse racial peoples all over the world. So you might think, wow, some beings may have looked more Asiatic. Uh, the Lemurians, of, were, the Lemurian civilization allegedly was involved in the Pacific area and Hawaii and Samoa. Those places are the leftover tips, Indonesia of mm. the Lemurian civilization. So we've had different influences, but there are some very uh, weird things about our genetics. I mean, O negative blood, for instance, RH yeah. negative blood. There's no other being on the planet that that where some of them are born without the RH factor. 
all That's animals weird. have that. It's just some of us, I'm, I'm O negative, and uh, there are a lot of high concentrations of O negative people in, in, in Ireland, the Celtic people, it's not uncommon. Mm. Um, and also, um, um, oh my goodness, um, um, they are, they're part of Spain, the Basque people. Okay. Something like upwards of 80% of all the Basque people have O negative blood. So mm, we have to telling. wonder about these things. We have to wonder why now they're do, they have been doing genetic testing on the Egyptian mummies of the old kingdom. And this has been pretty well hushed up. Uh, they don't like this, but it turns out that the ancient mummies were not Egyptian. They were early Indo-Europeans. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a theory that would suggest that they're definitely like nordic of some kind possibly. yeah i think i think it's possible they were hyperboreans yeah, you know yeah. i i mean i i do and um and of course you know that that guy uh dr zawas who's in charge of the antiquities you know as soon as there's a whiff of uh anti-egyptianism you know he he uh, you know the whole thing gets shut down and there's a big press blanket but no they have they have definitely determined that you know the red hair. yeah red red hair super tall yeah. you know all that kind of stuff so I, yeah that's a weird situation to wonder about like why is it being skewed the way it's being skewed and oh and ignorance weird. fear yeah. power and it's all, <laughs> yeah, all of the above right? ignorance fear power also in egypt you know the the I believe that the Hall of Records has actually been discovered and was actually located some years ago. I think I believe there's a massive, there is a massive labyrinth underneath the Sphinx and between the Great Pyramid, and it was reported by Herodotus. He saw it. So mm. uh, there, and um, you know, Doctor Zawas, there was a, some, you know, there was a picture of him scuttering, you know skittering into a little hole in the side yeah. of the sphinx you know and then that was the last we heard about anything so and then he came out and said oh it was nothing yeah nothing there you know nothing <laughs> so we there. close it up forever yeah. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know what's interesting about the anunnaki i mean we we have kind of like two themes going tonight where we're talking about these physical beings we're talking about the mental aspect the cognitive aspect of this and a weird assimilation is written right into those those uh, translations from from Sitchin and not only Sitchin, but others like this isn't part of the Sumerian tale that's like, oh, no, Sitchin was just biased. This is stuff that's just written and accepted that the the Anunnaki could be physical, but weren't always physical that they almost yeah. there's some descriptions of them being sort of like light beings i think it had to do with the verses where the work was too hard for them mm -hmm. that's why they needed the gg and then us or whatever they couldn't do it they couldn't mm. they they couldn't do it and but you know they are sometimes described as beings of light uh but again you know we're we're probably talking about uh we're, i i believe that they're their blood system was not iron-based right. it was uh, copper-based so they may have appeared to even be bluish or gray but they were very fair with piercing blue eyes and very tall they were they were godlike mm. and they allowed themselves to be perceived as as gods i mean it's uh, and you know as the as the as the story goes according to sitchin's translations 
again, you said this, they had to develop, they had to get some labor going. They were, mm. they, they weren't, it wasn't moving fast enough. And so, you know, Anki found a kind of a loophole because apparently, you know, slavery as such had long been outlawed on the Biru. And they were very queasy about, you know, his sort of uh, island of Dr. Moreau kind of project. Uh, they, they weren't, you know, digging it. And but he said, you know, look, I'm just speeding up what was going to happen anyway. That's how we evolved. It's just, you know, going to take them longer. We don't have time. I'm just going to speed it up. So that's that was mm. how he got permission to. And actually the creation of, you know, what they call the the Adama, you know, it, it took an awful long time and finally didn't work until they added their own DNA. Right. I right. mean, they could they couldn't reproduce the the beings that they that they upgraded could not reproduce for some reason until the, the Anunnaki. Ajiji, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember in the text what happened to the Ajiji? I know they rebelled supposedly. Oh well, there was the a gods. big yeah, there was a big hubbub, and and what what happened is um, um, they were all they were they were the Ajiji were pretty much stuck on Mars, which was even more bleak than being stuck in South Africa in the mines down there because the Ajiji could fly. They were actually pilots. They were like enlisted men, right? So the Ajiji were, were always, you know, rioting and refusing and hated the conditions. And there was a big uh, event where Anu, you know, the king of Nibiru was going to come and visit planet earth and see what was going on so um so he arrives and so they said okay all you Gigi, come in and you know set up a nice military line so anu can see you and blah 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 well the Gigi came in all right but they they rioted and they they grabbed a bunch of earth women as wives ah. <laughs> Is that the and, story? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the beginning of it. You know, the real hybridization. It was impossible uh, for those guys from Nibiru to keep it in their pants or their togas <laughs> or whatever they had going. That I mean. Oh that's my the God, whole... Leslie! You just blew my mind open about that '80s movie with Jeff Goldblum. Earth girls are easy. Oh. Like, <laughs> is that about the Anunnaki? And they were blue. Holy crap. They were blue. Oh God, I remember that. Yes. My wife and I just watched that like three months ago. Don't ask me why. It was terrible. It didn't age well well and neither did Jeff Goldblum, but uh, there you have it. Uh, uh, I would uh, uh, beg to differ. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Leslie, this is a lot of fun. We should do this more often. I am I am at your service, but um, I um, I want to uh, you know thank everybody who's just tuning in and opening their minds and you know, there there's a lot of there's a lot of humor in all of this. I Has think we be. have to I think we have to stop being so serious. Yeah. I think we have to laugh at no George Norrie's toupee. I think we have to not be so serious. <laughs> I think we have to just relax and uh, usually laughing at his questions. I know, but but now the show's like 15 minutes long. So it's all the it's hey, George is uh, getting old too. We got like 
people have to cut George a little friggin' slack. He's like the butt of a lot of jokes, and that's not fair. Because no, because he, he's a like great him guy. Or, love him or hate him, but he's been in the business for a long time. He's he seems like a nice. He guy. has, and I like his. You know, I, I like his show on Gaia, where he gets mm-hmm. to sit down with people and actually talk to them, and and uh, he's not interrupted by you know the commercial stuff he has to do on the station i guess but no i don't i think that uh and i think that um we need to remember that we are all here at this time for a reason and we're all being called to do our thing Mm. and uh, we are going to see incredible things in the next 20 years I, i and sooner than that but disclosure is inevitable and you know remember i um i don't know if you ever interviewed paul hillier very sweet man no he was, i never got the yeah chance. oh bless his heart rest well, in peace. he was rest in peace paul he was a lovely man and he was the um uh, the the minister of defense for canada for some time he was also vice premier of ontario he was a big time politico and uh and a whistleblower uh and mm. he told me not long before he died one of his last appearances that um, uh, to his knowledge uh, the Canadian government had formal diplomatic relations with over 80 different species of beings and if and you know the Canadians and the Americans were in bed together so you know that's a shared thing we share bases Mm -hmm. along the dew line you know that's you know that's got to be true also of the u.s government and it's probably much more than that so we are we are and i and i do think that there is like a um you know a a, a gene roddenberry federation of planets uh and where uh like-minded species are cooperating together to help the planets that are shuffling along like us and you know the big message that all of these experiencers keep getting the messages that they keep getting that betty and barney hill got these messages are about heal the planet the planet is alive fix your environment and clean up your mess yeah don't bring that shit into space yeah (laughs) don't bring that shit into space why do you think they're they're monitoring us so they can turn off the nukes if some maniac you know either activates them or you know kind of disturbing thought is uh in the u.s those all of those old missile silos throughout the midwest throughout the american midwest they're all in decrepitude Mm. so this is almost you know this is like a real serious consideration that something could happen inadvertently but you know but we're being we're i'm convinced that we're being completely monitored and uh because that would be nuclear um i think maybe the power of the atom you know like in star trek you can't they can't engage with the species and have first contact unless they have knowledge of warp drive that that's like the distinguishing thing i think maybe in in reality it's more like understanding the atom once that happens that then a species has to be kind of schooled through a difficult uh through difficult growing pains yeah that's a beautiful way to put it because so when i what i heard you say in my head was kind of becoming aware of how fractal everything really is Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. uh enormously terrifying that is at first how it's almost like uh 
reality is kind of like endlessly copying itself over and over again in some sort of way. And where we've been talking about such dense, low vibratory mm-hmm, matter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the way up to this kind of light spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I love the concept of as above, so below. And I think what you've kind of shown me tonight is that, and it kind of solidified something I've been kind of hoping for is mm-hmm. that there it's not just as above and as below it's many 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 levels and layers oh, between yes oh yes gradient. like it like like an onion yeah you know and and it's really and i believe that i believe that the key to moving through these dimensions is controlling our release of dmt I think the third eye is our passepartout. I think it's our key yeah. to interdimensional um, travel. And I think we can release it when we meditate. The, obviously, there's a release if you're, you know, using any kind of st- mushroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, we are capable we are capable of being anything and taking our position as benevolent teachers um in the universe to spread the message of oneness and i know that sounds very airy fairy but this these are the message that these are the messages that i'm hearing and these are how evolved people function evolved people do not war amongst themselves absolutely i mean hey isn't it so sad that we've kind of all been conditioned that the airy fairy stuff is stupid you know, I know that's, I know. that's kind of now granted guy is famous again and and I could say a lot about all kinds of stuff in the new age that you know some of it seems co-opted but a lot of it's pure a lot of it's great it's a lot of it is not new age it's ancient age you know yeah I mean? yeah so it's it's a beautiful thing at its core and I think we need to remember that right we, we got to remember people yes. that that whatever's being mimicked or mocked or trying to take your your attention away it's the real thing is not far off because that's how they mimic things they kind of have to make it look so Mm -hmm. that's i'm coming full circle with this of course they're faking ufos because there's real ufos Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me now (laughs) well yeah and you know i think I, i think that um also we're we're seeing holographic projections too Mm, we're not we're not really all the time we're not seeing literal ships Mm. i believe that they can that some beings they can create they can form matter and cloak it and and maybe some of these little craft that we see are really more like drones psychic drones in a way Mm. so and i think we also are seeing uh you know our own stuff you know like the big triangle the tr3w that's a That's a that's a transport ship. That's a that's a, a, a military transport ship. That's how they bring the, the service people out to moon base, you know, Mars and moon base moon or whatever it is, <laughs> lunar base one or whatever they, you know, whatever they call it. So I yeah. don't know. But uh, but we are we are all here for a reason. And, you know, people's minds are opening. I know even on even on mainstream broadcasting, there are channels that have nothing but paranormal and sci-fi. And so, (laughs) I mean, and some of it is obviously, you know, inauthentic, but I tell you, people are thinking, people are thinking 
outside the box and they're thinking, uh, uh, you know, positively, I think, and getting help a lot of the time for these issues they have. Yeah, so. I'm, you know, it's, it's a, like we just talked about like the levels and layers, right? And mm -hmm. kind of opening your eyes to every crazy thing and the unlearning process. It's, mm -hmm. it's not overnight. And I've come to so many hardcore conclusions that I knew 100% that the the following month i felt 180 about so many times and it it seems like it takes some of us a lot of a lot of those moments to well, realize the ping 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 back and forth it's it like it does i mean just think of, think about even the process of 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 reincarnation and the fact that we incarnate in groups usually which means we switch roles around with our family and our friends and 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 we do that until we get it right and um it's mm. it's we we are unique in that we are we are we have human beings have a tremendous desire to learn and perfect themselves that really is a big part of of who we are and when that gets interfered with it just means that someone has been cut off from their spirituality from their true identity Damn they've been right. cut off through grief or through anger and and just been cut off from that deep connection and that's the only way that anybody can be separated from source is if they themselves have brought down that curtain for, and it can happen. It can happen through drug use and all those things too. But, but you know, yeah, it can. You can take. You can. It can happen from a lot of different angles. I, I saw mm -hmm. a great image one time. The first image said before spiritual awakening, and it was like a boot on the side of a, a head, and the guy oh. was like, ah. Oh. And the second image <laughs> said after spiritual awakening, and it showed the full image where the guy's arm was in the boot on his own oh. head it's like, <laughs> yeah that was perfect <laughs> isn't it though and it's even like you know holding on to uh, like nasty emotions like mm -hmm. anger and vindictive vindictiveness yes. and my my grandmother used to say you know that's like if you're like that if you're holding on to all that shit that's like drinking poison and waiting for the other guy to die you know it's <laughs> So. that's perfect <laughs> oh man well we could go on and on but i'm not going to keep you in it's late on my end i gotta get to bed soon and this Me was too. just this was an incredible conversation leslie i'm so glad we had the opportunity to sit down oh finally. bless your heart and you know i would love to come back and visit you anytime. And if anybody out there is, is interested a little bit more in, in, in my work, I do have a recent book called Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. And you can get that through Amazon.com, Amazon, wherever you Amazon, it is available. So uh, there you go. Excellent. All right. Thank you and so much, buddy. Hey, do you still you still do your podcast show, right? Yes, yes, okay, I good. still have. Right. I have, still have been on for a long time. <laughs> long time, man. At right. first, I we were contact radio, and now we're contact mm -hmm. TV. We do fewer shows, but we do full studio production now. So, right. so uh, we okay, we decided cool. to do to do that, and uh, yeah, contact TV is alive and well, and you can okay. find us on Facebook and YouTube and like that. All right, great. 
Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Hope to see you soon. Take care now. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, pacifaria. Enough, I get the point. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know and if someone else knows, okay? I mean... <laughs> <laughs>BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.